everyone, and welcome to A Nightmare on Fear Street. A monstrous podcast about all things horror. If you like what you hear today, then you can follow us on all of the usual socials, or subscribe to our Patreon for bonus content and merch. You can find all of that by visiting us at allmylinks.com backslash A Nightmare on Fear Street, or in our episode descriptions wherever you're listening to this podcast at. All right, y'all. We are here today, and we are covering Scream Blackula scream that is right because we could not do black women for the win and i talk about miss pam greer winning in this movie plus we covered the first one last season and wanted to follow it up <laughs> true and you know what i will say about this movie just broadly i needed more pam greer but i feel like also no. i could watch a pam greer one woman show Listen. and still want more pam greer there's never gonna be enough pam greer like, just never. So that's just going to be my forever note. Right? Like, she could be the whole season. <laughs> and I would be like, it's still not enough. We still need more time. <laughs> right. Exactly. I So again, this is a black exploitation film, and we know that those get pissed on a lot. Like, looking at Rotten Tomatoes at the time of this recording, it's got a 29%. I've seen some movies that should be 29%, be 80s over there. Um, so I just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's, that's where we're at. <laughs> Listen, sometimes when I really want to be angry, I go see what they did to tell us from the hood. Cause it's never, <laughs> it's never. Oh, <laughs> right. Ugh. Yeah. That's a crime. That, that is a crime. Listen. Uh, Cause like, I will say I like this movie. I didn't love this movie. I thought the first one was better as per usual, but like tell us from the hood i love that movie that movie's like, art it is a great film yeah 100 yeah. percent. i with this movie though one of the things that like pulled me out which i i know it's black exploitation and it's the time period in which it was made but this script was so 70s like there were so many like what's up man what's up dude and i was just like what yeah. What do people really? Do, I I need to know from someone who lived in the seventies. Did people really talk like that, or were the movies playing it up? This felt more seventies than the first one. Like this one went harder to the seventies, and I don't know if this was script or if there was some improvisation or what, because it was very, it was very, it was so seventies, big seventies. Um, <laughs> but like one of the things that gets us is we don't waste no fucking time getting this resurrection. We, cause like movies nowadays are like, let's take 40 minutes to like show you the monster you came to see is really here. This is like, nah, I'm smacking a bitch. I'm being thrown out. I'm going to get these bones. I'll be doing this right here tonight. And I'm like, damn. Okay. <laughs> Boom. And I will say too, those, okay. So like this movie came out roughly a year after the first one. And the movie itself never says how long it's been. But Blackula has completely, what's the word I'm looking for? Decomposed to like very clean, pristine, that's white one, bones. That's one of my notes. And I'm just like, did, do vampires in this world just like, is it like a Buffy thing where they turn to dust and step their bones? Like, or is it, I don't. <laughs> it made me want to go back and see how he ended it last. Cause I know that we watched him just like fall to bones. But, like, these bones, like, fresh from the Walgreens, these was, like, a shiny. 
Um, I wish veneers looks like that because I would have a pair. Um, <laughs> these bitches was white. They was white. Yeah, I feel like the prop person uh, missed that. Listen, that moment. they was like, we got $30 to do a movie. Y'all getting what y'all get. Get the fuck out of my lawn. Um, and I, I know that mood. <laughs> While we're part of this ritual, Richard Lawson looked damn fucking good as usual. Him in his arms, because he was mm. living his animated life with these arms. I think it was his first movie. I think it's what Ooh, it said. I almost had to go take a cold shower. It, it was a thirst take moment. Richard Lawson could get it. Could still blossom, could still get it, could get it then, could get, probably get it now. That's why you married Tina Knowles. Because Tina Knowles, like, I know a good thing when I see it, get over here. And he's like, okay. <laughs> like, Ooh, he was a good looking man. He is a good looking man, but he was a good looking man. Every time we see Ooh. him in the 70s, I want to dedicate our whole show to the 70s horror movies that he is in because he should have looking right. Like, I was like, this is Bianca's daddy. I see it. I see it. Oh, <laughs> these jeans. <laughs> the jeans of America. <laughs> I wish. Because we don't be looking right. like this. Oh. <laughs> True. But yeah, that was one of my notes. Is that he was out here living deliciously in the 70s. <laughs> I don't know how he said in trouble. Because it, looking like that, looking like that, and he was not in trouble. You can tell me nothing if I would look like that. I would I'd be fucking around more than I was actually acting. I would be, <laughs> I would never wear clothes. <laughs> I would just I'd be out here. No. Right. <laughs> out here while now. Listen. My tell all <laughs> would be nine books. <laughs> Ooh, yes. Uh yes. As always, these costumes deliver. Yes. They all like every time we're in the seventies. I'm always like the costumes. I loved all of them. Loved it all. Loved it all. Loved it. All. I think my favorite though is the Richard Lawson's look from the opening scene, mm-hmm. and he's got that like jacket on, but he's, and then he's got the the matching pants and tie. Like I, I'd wear that today. This- I want it right now. All the clothes was lit. Like, everybody looked fucking good. That's where the money went. Because it wasn't that animated bat, which I'm going to get to later. Um, But, like, <laughs> specifically everything on Lisa. Because, like, Pam Greer is like, oh, mm. no. I'm Pam Greer. I need to look good. And they're like, yeah, you do. Like, the froze were right. The hair was right. The boots was right. Her accessories were together. Like, had this been the Barbie I was given, I might have actually played with a doll as a child. Right. Yeah. Totally. Everyone looked so fierce. Yeah. And I also love that while they're looking good, they is acting their asses off because like Pam and Richard, hello, hello. <laughs> and like even William Marshall is still doing the damn thing. Because again, he's a theatrically trained actor who didn't get to do as much as he wanted to because racism. And so mm. he's after giving a performance in a very low budget movie that nobody was going to like watch and review seriously um, because all the racism and haters. And so like, it just, it makes me sad because it's, it, it, he's not being wasted because this is important and it gets us some of the things we got later on in life like a vampire in Brooklyn um, however like I just I, it's always sad to wonder what people could have done had they not been sitting around under racist <laughs> and had they not been interrupted um, right. yeah yep 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 there it is there it went speaking racist <laughs> go with it go with it girl speak on it the racist cop 
really stood there in his suit, which was the worst suit of the movie. Um, and his leg was made of, look, it was made out of old couch cushions. And he really took center stage to just say racist shit at them after they found their friend bleeding at the neck at the bottom of the stairs. And I take it back. Not every costume was a hit. <laughs> That's what he gets. I love but- this. <laughs> I shouldn't make those kind of statements. But... <laughs> Most of them did, but yeah, no, that was that was a choice. It was a moment in time that did happen, and it was a it was a thing. He like he was wearing his mama's couch cushions as a jacket and pants, and he was just like, "Let me say all the racist things." You know that we all know that voodoo. You drinking blood and doing shit in here, and you probably did this to her and then call me. And I was like, "Are you fucking serious?" And his phrasing, just so we're clear, nothing he says is acceptable. <laughs> Nothing. And I get that it was the 70s and it was probably taken verbatim for some other bullshit cop. But like, damn. Damn. <laughs> we don't need that kind of realism, y'all. Right. Film, lives for, film lives forever. We don't need that kind of realism. Right? I was like, I need this kind of racism in my face this early in the morning. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, a question that I had, and maybe you can help a little bit. Was there... Besides the character Blackula, was there any connective tissue between the films? Like, is there any continuity here? I couldn't, I don't know. I mean, he's still looking for his soulmate reincarnated in women. Um, and he's still Blackula, which, I mean, it's more than we get from most franchises. So I didn't ask questions. Oh, no. Yeah. I, I just felt like I was missing something. And I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't, that I hadn't missed something. Because, like, yeah, he, that was true. But I will say, even though he was look quote unquote looking for his soulmate, his first like three transform transformations were men. Yep. Blackula, you got something to say? You got as, something to tell us? As we talked about when we had Chris Levin here for the first Blackula last season, uh Dracula likes to put it down, he likes to put it down often. So I don't think <laughs> that he's willing to wait for it, to paraphrase from Hamilton. Um <laughs> No, oh no. <laughs> We're here. We're at this moment. But also, where is Leslie? Let Leslie enter the chat. Oh. <laughs> I could I got I'd have to go I have to go get in the cold shower if that happened. Listen. Uh, <laughs> I also so speaking of my joke about black yellow transforming only men at the beginning. The use of the F slur. Yep. Another one, I get it's the 70s. I get it's the time. But the first one, what I find so frustrating about it is the first one literally had queer characters in it, even though they didn't say they were queer, but like it was obvious, y'all. But, and then to backslide so much from that to literally calling someone a faggot, which I don't, I hate saying that word mm-hmm. and I don't normally say it. But in this way, and, and the inflection that they used was also just kind of, just nasty like it would they put they used a hard g yeah like i uh, coming out of movies that came out last year it's still a word being thrown around casually because like we both saw bones and all uh we both saw barbarian i also saw the whale and we keep giving it to people (laughs) and just being like say it it's fine for whomst we don't need slurs. We don't need slurs. Right. So many movies are relying on slurs to be spicy instead of just putting in the fucking lorries and going about their business. And yeah, it, it just, I don't know. It, 
And at least if you're if you're gonna, I, mm, I hate to even give it that that it, I'm not even gonna do that because like, yeah, it wasn't especially in this case, it was not needed. It's it's kind of lazy because I'm a Gemini. I insult people all the time, but I don't need slurs to do it. I hurt feelings for breakfast some days. I literally, because <laughs> somebody always wants to try me when I'm just trying to live in my own lane. I'm like, well, let me clear you real quick. You don't have to rely on slurs. There, I feel like there are ways to get meaner and more precise, which like I'm really good at, which is why like when I make an enemy, it's for life. And I, I don't know why writers don't just hire professional insulters or better writers to help them figure it out. Because again, like, and to be fair, the movies that came out um, in 2022, The Whale and but Bones and All specifically, they gave them the characters supposed to sympathize with. And I'm like, but like, if they're dropping slurs, I know that when there's smoke, there's fire. And so I'm like, what else is wrong with this character? It's not being like this moment of pain and she lashed out. It's like, no, no. Well, and the one thing I will say, and this is, again, I think there are better ways, of course, to to say this. My one thing that I will give Bones and all, I haven't seen The Whale, so I can't comment on that. And I probably won't until it's streaming because I don't want to give it money. But um, I, at least with Bones and all, the the slur I hate the, I'm, uh, is used towards a queer person because his character is not straight. Um, it, it, he... He does. He is in a relationship with a girl, but he's not straight, or they are not straight. I should say. I don't even know if the pronouns are correct on that one. But um, go ahead. I'll let you finish because I got thoughts. Um, <laughs> but, and even then, it's still lazy writing. Don't get me wrong. There's still better ways to do it. I just think if, it, it, like, don't. I, I hate when it's. I hate. I really hate. I hate it all the time. I really hate when it's used as like a. Are you a faggot? as a, like a question and it's not even used to towards the queer character. So that means you're not even making a comment on it. It's just, I don't even know. I hate it all the time. So I don't know why I'm giving any excuses. <laughs> I, I don't want to get too far into bones and all. Cause we, we haven't covered it yet. And I don't know how many people have seen it, but like my issue is that like Timothy Chardonnay was wearing clothes that were not gender specific to somebody we assume is AMAB. Um, but we never really, we never really have him say or have her say, you are queer. Um, we get it from his sister who supposedly loves him, calling him the F word because she's angry. And I'm like, that's not how you get her to be sympathetic. And so now I'm like, can we eat her? And I felt the same way a little bit in the whale, because like, again, it's coming from somebody who's in a place of pain. That's how they want us to express that. But like, you can't be like, she's dropped slurs, but she's a good kid. That's just, that That feels lazy. And I think that we need to stop fucking doing that because it's the same as when people say racist shit and then like people are like, I'm not fucking with this. <laughs> um, it's not necessary. There are other ways to prove that you are problematic without you using the hard R on an N-word. Um, Microaggression Monday out there. There are many examples. Look at your own lives. Right. Like look to your left, look to your right, look in the mirror. Yeah. You don't got to go that far. Well, and I think, I think maybe my comments are coming from a, a place of, and I think we, we've discussed this on the pod before, but um, coming from a place of, I, I need I need to ask for more as a queer person and and as and for queer representation. I need to ask for more, and I need to know. I need to start internalizing that it's okay to not be okay with it. Yes, and that's that's yes. just me being real about myself. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's definitely a journey, but also, like, it's it's a good, the first step is admitting it, because, again, like, 
we don't need slurs. No, like, hands down, period. They had nothing. Right. They had nothing. If you cut them, nobody notices. If you add them, we notice. Um, for not for the good reasons. Yeah. Yeah. In this one, are you gay? Do you like bo- do you like men? Same same yeah. point is there. Even though mm-hmm. I still kinda hate it, but I'm not, you're not supposed to like those characters anyway. But, so, right? But like, yeah, it's it, definitely not a slur. No, I. It took me out. It did take me out, even though it's the '70s, and I'm used to people being homophobic in '70s movies. Sadly, yeah. <laughs> I. It took me out because I was like, okay, black people, we're doing the things because again, it's black exploitation. So like, already it's got a handicap of budget and like not having like enough production support. Um, yeah. but like to also be like, let's also piss on another demographic. I just, it always upsets me when I see that. Yeah. Um, it's one of the reasons why we're not going to cover a day shift on this podcast is because it's just so casually homophobic. Um, which I want more from, from Jamie Foxx and Snoop. Cause like, they are obviously the people, people who get to call the shots in these movies and they could easily be like, Hey, no. Yeah. But instead they're like, mm, it's fine. It's funny. Right. And it's equal. And it, it, it's even more frustrating for this film. Like I said earlier, and I'm not, I don't know if it's the same creators who did this one that did the original, but the original has so much, not I say so much for seventies, so much queer yeah. joy and queer characters and queer content and representation, especially for that uh, intersection of black queer people who Watched that first film, probably loved it, loved the representation because that's all they got then, and then came to this one and they're hit with a with a slur. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's definitely taking it's not taking care of your audience. Like I've been very vocal in that a movie pissed me off last year, and it's made by a woman of color, and so that's doubly upsetting um, for her to just be like shock value um, and put this movie out there and to see a bunch of white critics trying to talk about how they found hope in a hate crime that it ends in. And I'm just like, oh, so we learned nothing ever. Okay, thanks. Sorry when you said hope and hate crime, it reminded me of that Rihanna song, Love and the Hope. I always think about that. <laughs> like, that's what they're doing. Like, this movie literally ends on a hate crime. People are like, but it gives a little bit of hope because she like she floats up to the top of the water they drowned her in. I'm like, fuck you. Fuck you. There's no hope in a hate crime. No. Um, it's, I, oh. <laughs> What I'm what I am trying to unpack from that movie and other movies like it, and I don't know if it's the same thing for the specifics that we're talking about here or not, but I feel like specifically when it comes to racism, we like to make racist, racist cartoonish and large, and they have to use all of the words so people know that this is a racism. And that way it lets people who are passively racist and quieter racist feel better about themselves and they don't ever have to learn and grow. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we had a movie that tackled microaggressions and what gets said in the fucking workroom on Mondays and what gets said while people are trying to like do simple shit every day of life, if we had to unpack that, that's too much for Judith. Right. Like my Twitter conversations, those are racism. Like those are, but they don't see that because there's like I would never say that word. So I'm not a racist. I'm like you were yelling at me because I had an opinion and I didn't even know who you were until you started yelling at me. Right. Or you're like, telling you me you for all these other writers. Right. <laughs> you came from me. Or you're telling me how to feel as a black person. Or you're like. Listen, listen. Or telling black people they understand satire because we're like this movie's offensive. But I, I, I think that that is part of the reason we keep seeing these like larger than life depictions of problematic assholes. It's people can be like, that's what it is. It's not these things that you say it is. And they can continue gaslighting us and telling us that our experiences are not valid and we're overblowing things. 
and not ever change the behaviors. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's my soapbox. <laughs> Boom. And I enjoyed it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'll be here all night. What? <laughs> True. One of the things that I thought was really cool about this particular installment of the Black Yula situation is that it kind of accidentally stumbles into being an art house movie at times out of necessity of invention. <laughs> um, some of the like camera techniques, which was probably not being able to afford a tripod, were very art house. <laughs> um, some of the camera angles, very art house. When they had to like do things so you can have enough blood, very art house. <laughs> Um, and you'd be like, oh, this is this is stepping it up. Because uh, you forget it's them just being like, we got to make it work with duct tape and hope. Right. Um, and you are rolling with it. And then you see that cheap ass bat transformation and you laugh a little bit. And you're like, damn. That bat. That bat. That bat. Hashtag that bat. I, I can't forgive that bat. Like, I can forgive a lot of this movie. I can excuse a lot. I can, like, rationalize a lot. But every time I turn to the bat, it's like, oh, man. <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah. Defend this. <laughs> <laughs> it flying around. It looks That's like a, a shadow puppet. It looks it like a fucking cartoon. I'm like, is that a Smurf flying at me? No, it's Blackula. <laughs> is that um, a plane? Is it a Smurf? No, it's Blackula. Because so again, like, I one of the things I love about black people is that we will make a fucking way. It's where most of our like cuisine comes from over here, and people are now like, oh, soul food. It's like you gave us nothing and we made it taste great. <laughs> um, and so I'm like, y'all are making an accidental art house movie for giant stretches, and then all of a sudden it's like the bat, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, the bat. I do want to say I thought in general the score was pretty good, but the the score moment at the final scene that like dr- that drum moment that was intense. I was like, "Oh, we get my heart going, man! I'm palpitating. I'm palpitating." Pa- we- palpitating. <laughs> I I love the final. I don't even want to call it a battle, but it's just like it's just like <laughs> Pam Grace character Lisa being like, "I gotta shut this down." I got shut it down. I was almost stigmatized, but this ain't gonna work out. Boom. I was almost stigmatized. I mean, you know. William Marshall was out here getting the girls to throw it all away. <laughs> He's like, step into my cape, and they come out different bitches. And I'm like, what goes on in there? What goes on? What's got, what's got in the cape? What you got? Let me in the cape. Maybe I wanna throw it all away too. Um, <laughs> Because, again, we talked about it with Chris. In the last one, um, Blackula was doing the things for the, for the ladies. <laughs> he apparently got something going on down there. Down somewhere. Listen. In that cape. Listen. Not, something's still working after all these years. Because. Um, <laughs> that resurrection help. <laughs> right? A soft shoe and something else ain't soft. <laughs> Just going like running. <laughs> oh, we ain't right. We ain't right, y'all. We ain't right. I I had to catch myself because I don't know if even that would have made it on the air. That'd be our last episode if I said what I was about to say. (laughs) Somebody's mama about to listen to this. Right? We need something beyond explicit on Anchor for me and my mouth sometimes. (laughs) I just... (laughs) It's like Fear Street after hours. Go to the Patreon. Fear Street at Tipsy Tower. (laughs) Right? We'll have Trent licking rocks and me just saying all the things. Like... You had to bring it up again. <laughs> Our patrons were like, remember when it used to be a podcast? I'm going to change my name on Twitter to the lock, the, the rock licker. 
You gonna get some traffic. <laughs> Your following goes wrong. Oh, that's true. I might get I might get people to take that the wrong way. Hold on. Wait, no. <laughs> I'd be like, why are episode numbers jump so much, Trent? What you doing over there? I had a good time. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> Licking stones and taking names. Like <laughs> I licked the right stone. Listen, we need some sponsorships. <laughs> 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 We're not going down that rabbit hole again. Don't make me do it. No. <laughs> but I I just love that we get Pam Greer as a final girl who also defeats Blackula. Iconic. As everything else she's ever done and said. Did, I mean, do you expect anything different? It's Pam Greer. It's, when the movie started and Pam Greer was there, I'm like, she's going to take out Blackula. And what did she do? Take out black. She said, <laughs> "Duh." Right. I was. I'm not gonna lie. I was a bit worried because he did digmatize her a little bit because he. I did mean, that. Like, you, he, you can't blame. Razzle dazzles him. You can't blame somebody. <laughs> you know, sometimes them dicks be doing it. Listen, listen. He razzle dazzled her, and I was like, "Oh no, oh no!" But she came back. She said, <laughs> "I am Pam Greer. Right. I gotta get my pussy in check." Listen. She's like, we got some great dicks around here. You ain't the only one anymore. Because um, that little man, that little man who was always by her side at first, I was like, is that her boyfriend, a love interest? I don't know. And the cute little sweaters. I was like, what he doing? But also, like, you also got Mr. Richard Lawson over there, even though he's smacking bitches out of pocket, so you can't move him too hard. Um, but his arms. <laughs> and you got Blackula himself, who's older, but still is a very, very handsome vampire man. I mean, he could get it. Listen, I climbed that coffin once or twice. <laughs> We're so fucking thirsty. Damn. <laughs> Listen, we's in year five hundred of a pandemic. Like we started. We're this talking ep- about we started fucking ep- Blackula. We are talking about <laughs> fucking Blackula, and I don't mean fucking you Blackula. Know- I mean we are talking about f- putting Blackula's penis inside of us. Listen. <laughs> I've done worse. You saw what was going on in Warrensburg. <laughs> oh, thank God. I don't want to revisit. <laughs> we started this podcast talking about how old school Jack Nicholson could get it. So I don't know where we thought we was going to go. Look. We ain't right, y'all. We need therapy. Somebody help us out. I'm always surprised that when people listen to Stanley Kubrick was an asshole, they ain't like, y'all wanted to fuck old school Jack Nicholson? <laughs> That's the real. That's the real moment of that whole fucking first season. Like, forget everything else we said, and D. It's like we need everyone to subscribe. Podcast. Subscribe to our Patreon listen. so we can afford therapy. Listen, <laughs> listen. I can keep sitting around here wanting to fuck fifty year olds from the seventies. Like, <laughs> ah, these are clearly cries for help. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> But yeah, um, Pam Greer, she she got herself undigmatized and was like, ah, ah, ah. Ah, 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 And put him in his fucking place. Because he came in talking about her magic and she was like, I never thought about it as a science. Because like, they was telling him that she's a badass bitch. Like, when he rolled in, they was like, oh no, Lisa's the best one we've ever seen. Lisa's the moment. And he's like, I gotta have her. I gotta own her. And she was like, I'm gonna get this blown out real quick, but also... When I'm done, <laughs> gotta have words with you, and I respect that priorities. You know, right? Priorities. Get it in, get it done. 
Get it in. Get it in and get out. Like, that's how I've always moved. <laughs> like, get it in and get it out. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no notes on Pam Greer. Oh. Like, she was flawless. Always. This is her movie, as far as I'm concerned. It should be called The Pam Greer Story. All the movies she's ever done should be called that. The episode of Martin she did should be called that. This episode should be called that. I'm changing my name on my birth certificate to be that. Like, I just... Is, so, wait. When you do that, is your first name V, your le- your middle name Pam Greer, and your last name Story? I think Greer's Story could be hyphened for a last name. Oh, okay. No, I don't have two middle names. That's serial killer shit. Like... Uh... V Pam Greer hyphen story. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, we're insane. People get it right finally because they ain't got my real name right in forever. So like, <laughs> no, it'd be like T to he to he. Where are you at to he? To he he, come here. It's like, are you fucking serious? <laughs> Why come to the Starbucks? I ain't in here. Give me my fucking PSL. <laughs> Tupac, is that you? No. <laughs> Tupac is back. He's alive. He's alive. Did you get caramel macchiatos? <laughs> you looking different. <laughs> he's been through it, but he's alive. Right. Wasn't he taller last time we saw him? Like. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> we need help. Okay. Uh, do you have any more <laughs> thoughts or notes before we get to hot takes? I just want to say that again, this is not my favorite movie we've covered from the 70s. It's it's not even I don't I don't know if I like the first one more or if the first one just seems more neat and tidy. Cause I think that the one is more contained and this one goes like a little bit wonky in places and like takes more time which I love to see because we don't get a lot of black people who feel like they can take time in a movie. Um, <laughs> that's something I'm always experiencing in my own rise. I feel rushed, even though like it's my fucking story. But I'm just like, will people give me a whole hour and a half as a black woman? No, um, <laughs> they won't. And so I, I don't know. I don't know if I like it more or less, but I do think that it's not as bad as people made it seem. Like everything else we've done from that era that's made up black people. Because... At this point, we've done both Blackulas. We've done Sugar Hill. We've done, um, oh, wow. I'm just forgetting stuff. I had a list and then it was gone because I got digmatized. <laughs> um. <laughs> Oop, I got digmatized. But, but we covered some, we covered some Blackmitation movies of this era on this show now. Um, and all of them were better than they were made to sound by white critics. Oh, 100%. Uh, yeah. And so thanks, Hora Noor, for being like, ah, ah, ah. Yeah, listen to the white people. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, yeah. Oh, Ganja and Hess. That's the other one we were talking about. That's the other one, which was definitely a fucking art house movie. And also, Bloodhouse did cover it with Nay Beaver. So, like, come at me. There it is, there it be. Uh, hot takes. Sheree, what's your hot take? I hate long scenes, so some of the scenes in this movie felt like torture to me. I would have told them to get a different editor on site, because 
And don't get me wrong, some of the payoffs are great. Like when that couple shows up at the house, the white girl with the weird wig and the black guy, then it showed up to pick up Willis. Like that just felt like 20 minutes. And I'm like, we don't need 20 minutes of this. Her scream, God, she screamed for 10. I hated it. Yeah, not, yeah. Uh, and so we could have just trimmed some things. But again, like, I, I don't know if they even had, like, an editor they wanted if they just had to take what they could afford because of the time and because black people. Right. Um, they didn't get support. as They still don't get support. So I can only imagine how bad it was back then if I'm looking around today. <laughs> and this is dire. Yeah, no, for sure. I I agree. Um, I think my, my hot take, my biggest th- my biggest takeaway especially comparing this to the first film. I thought the first film was more quote unquote fun. It had more not, and I don't mean just like comedy because it wasn't the first one wasn't funny really either, but like I, there was more, it sounds weird to say this because it's a fucking horror film, (laughs) vampires, but it had more joy. It had more spirit. And this one just kind of felt, this one felt like the movie that the filmmakers had to make because the studio was going to make because the first one was popular kind of thing. Even though I don't know, I don't know if that's what happened because, like, you were talking about black exploitation and that not mm. being supported. But that's what this felt like. It didn't feel like there was heart in it, was other than Pam Greer, who was flawless as always. Yeah, I feel like the first one it was because like it never been done before, so there was like that sense of we gotta show up, we gotta fucking do the things, let's go. We're making history, we're doing the fucking things, even though nobody believes in us. And this one, it was like we're gonna give it to the black women, but also like we're a little less invigorated by what we're doing. Um, and maybe it was just like more budget cuts and things. I don't really know. Um, and you know, the first one wasn't as well received as it should have been. So that's also going to hurt morale. So like, there's so many factors that could have led to this not feeling as fresh and fun for the people making it yeah. and the audience that we are now. Right. And, you know, hundred. You know, I'm always going to prefer the film that had the positive queer representation as opposed to the one that had the F slur in it. So. <laughs> and again, like, was that positive or was it just at least visibility? Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, it gave us, again, the bare minimum, but at least there was no slurs and like they were there and it, they had, they were funny characters. I do think it's the earliest black queer character I've seen on film. And I have to double check Mark's essay because Marco Estes, mm-hmm. who we've had on here multiple times from Midnight Society, not Midnight Society, wow, that's Midnight Social Distortion. <laughs> Thank you. I was like, are you afraid of the dark? Um, (laughs) Mark from Midnight Social Distortion and Screen Kings um, wrote an essay a few years ago um, just sort of like hitting up the highlights of like black queer representation in horror. Mm -hmm. Um, That's how a lot of us got to know him because we were like, oh, nobody's ever fucking done this. And so he gets into like um, that character whose name I just forgot from the first Blackula and he gets in to like the sister in Fright Night 2 mm. and other ones that we just sort of took for granted as kids because we were watching all this shit like decades later. Right. And we weren't understanding that this was like the first black queer person or this was the first black queer woman or this was the first time a black queer person played a black queer person. And so like if y'all pull up on the anti-critic on Twitter, I think that that is still pinned towards the top of Mark's page and it's worth a read. If not, you can probably send him a DM and he'll send it to you, I'm sure. Not making it work. Oh. Like, just put in Marco Estes and see in front of that thing. Well, he's a... Put your fingers to Google. <laughs> That's true, too. Don't listen to me. I'm, not, I'm sorry when people are like, oh, if you don't see it, just ask her to like, and don't be emailing me. I don't know, y'all. Like, <laughs> I'm not... 
I, I'm not Google. I don't get a. I don't get paid when you ask me to fucking search for you. Like, <laughs> fair enough. Fair points. Fair points. Fair points. Yeah, and this is also Black History Month. Don't be asking Black people to work. Like, I'll fight you. Like, don't. We get 28 days. 28 days later, you can talk to us. Oh, like, I always fucking do. Like. <laughs> Oh, woo. okay. Well, this was an episode, y'all. Well, this was our thoughts on Scream, Blackula Scream. We love you, Pam Greer. Never change. We do love you, Pam Greer. And this is the end of our Black Women for the Win month. And next month, or next week, we're going to be covering Megan. Whoop, whoop. Um, that's right. We're heading into Keila Cooper's Megan because we're doing Ladies Night on Fear Street for the month of March. That means all four of these movies was written by women. Yeah. Um, I I love this transition from Black Women Win to Ladies Night because we know that there's a certain section of the horror community on social media that loves to celebrate Women's History Month during Black History Month and ignore any woman of color. Yes. And I'm like, so you're going to celebrate white women for another 28 days? Right. I see you. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, no, what? No. Oh. And I'm like, you're playing in my face, Judith. <laughs> so <laughs> I love that we successfully have done this at least two years in a row now where we're just like, Black women all month of February and in March, all women, not just cis white women, as Judith likes to celebrate for both months. Right. And I will say, I loved uh, Michael Kennedy, uh, his tweet the other day that was like, if you're going to talk about Megan and you're going to review Megan, do not leave Akilah Cooper's name out your mouth because she wrote the damn thing and she wrote Malignant. And like that, she is the moment. She is the moment. People love to erase her if they like her stuff. And if they don't like her stuff, then they want to fucking talk about her and her work. Because, like, let's own it. Like, she is the camp queen. She is giving us camp. She's giving us <laughs> these fucking far out things that we've not seen the likes of in so long. And had it been a Kenny writing it, people would be like, oh, my God, it's art. But because it's Akilah Cooper, it's like, mm, yeah. I don't like it. It's PG-13. You've been going to PG-13 movies for four years now. Shut the fuck up. Sheree, are you ready for this? dream yeah. team moment we've seen her was mm-hmm. we've seen akila work with with um uh oh my god james wan. james wan i was like name just left me anyway we've seen her work with james wan can you imagine akila cooper teaming up with don mancini listen i just melted my brain <laughs> it would be a camp floor. horror queer listen. black meltdown beautiful amazing it would probably be my favorite movie of all time it might beat scream it might beat scream my i'm gonna pick my brain up real quick i just and let's I just have kevin williamson uh, in there just to, for shits and giggles let's have a trio listen i would die i think that i think akila and don is enough because like first off a checky a checky tiffany megan battle oh my god yes first off checky will get some hands because like I know you ain't seen Megan, I ain't gonna say too much, but like making that bitch. Um, even at PG 13 and, and Akila Cooper script and Akila Cooper script, and we're fucking welcome. Right. And so, like, and did you see that she, she hinted that a uh, director's cut is coming with it and it's gonna not be rated? I'm ready. Because again, like, Megan does the things for PG 13. Um, she, because people are like, it's, it could have pushed it further. It's like, shut the fuck up. What have you written? Like, right. nothing. You write in a grocery store list to your mama. Go fucking home. I, <laughs> I, I can't, I can't. I got to review it for Fifth Street's horror movie blog. 
And I had to like curb myself because I had so many fucking thoughts, but we we're going to record this episode. So I was like, let me say some of my thoughts because I could write essays on fucking Megan and like some of these characters and how Keila Cooper's not getting enough credit. But also we need to remind people that Keila Cooper was on that Star Trek. She was working on that Star Trek with my imaginary dad, Brian Fuller. So like, Boom. I gotta go to space. I'm getting over my own bullshit. So I can go to space for them. Cause if they up there, I wanna be there. If that's who gonna be there, I'm going. <laughs> Look, <laughs> beam me up. Yeah, super <laughs> excited to talk about Megan. But that that's next week. So y'all get ready. Be prepared. Buckle up, Buttercup. <laughs> We're doing the damn Listen. thing. Like whenever I think of Megan, I just hear Megan the Stallion. It's her, her, her. <laughs> Everybody is she, she, she. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, yes. Uh, thank you all for listening so much. And as always, make sure you stay fierce out there. Bye.